Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer. For years to come, try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone? It's Adam Rossiano, and I'm the co-creator, co-writer, and executive producer of Ice Cream. If you recognize my voice, it's because I play the unfortunate character of Mr. Handsome. <laughs> On this bonus episode of Ice Cream, we'll be taking you through how we made the show in less than a month. From conceptualization, to writing, to casting, to recording, and to editing, all in a four-week span to have it ready just in time for Halloween. I've decided to break up this episode into two parts. Part one is with our co-creator and writer, Adam Blanford. We'll talk about writing the show and casting it. We even feature some audition tapes from the actors themselves. Halfway through this episode will be part two, which will feature our series director, Antonio Cordero. He will walk us through directing the series and how he broke down each character and his techniques for working with the actors and child actors. We also may give an update on season two of Cascadia. So stay tuned. <laughs> if you want more ice cream, feel free to subscribe to 911 Plus on Apple Podcasts, where we have clean versions of ice cream as well as ad-free, super-cut episodes and interviews with the cast on our brand new show, Unscripted. That's on 911 Plus, exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Available now. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Making of Ice Cream. Hello, hello, my friend. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Everybody, Adam Blanford. He is the co-writer of our show and just an overall spectacular co-creator. I literally had so much fun working on this with you. Do yeah. you how what was it like for you to just jump into this project because I think that it was such a or what what are your early memories from this because I feel like we were working on something else. Yeah. And I guess tell me the journey for you with this. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you and I um we started working together on a different project in April. And yes. uh, we'd been working on that for a couple of months. And, and then in June, you sent me a message in the it, like late at night. It was like I had an idea for a for a podcast. Uh, it's a horror podcast. And so you started giving me a whole a whole uh, uh, range of ideas for this. And, um, you know, and then you said, you know, like, w- will you work on this with me? And then here's the catch. We have to get it done in five weeks. So, <laughs> yes. um and so that's what I remember. I remember going, are you out of your mind? And then, you know, we just, we started and I was like, okay, let's see what we can do. Uh, fortune favors the bold. So, 
Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, we've been, we were, well, first of all, I met you with Cascadia, because you, I, yeah. a lot of people don't know this, but you played an FBI agent in Cascadia, where you break down the doors, and spoiler alert, you arrest one of our villains on the show, and so, yep. that's how we first met, and then, yeah, we started working on a different, completely different project, you know, you, you and I were really into it, we were working hard, yep. and then, I'll never forget it, and I was outside, finishing the editing on the final episode of this other project, and, uh, and then this blaring annoying ice cream truck just zoomed by and i was like ah that is just so freaking annoying and then i looked at the ice cream truck and i was like that is that's the whole concept of an ice cream truck is very odd and i started to like think about it Mm -hmm. and think about how like the whole idea of you know the fact that kids will just drop everything almost like in a trance and run over to the ice cream truck buy an ice cream from a random person that we don't even know is able to even sell ice cream like how do we know they're authorized to do that you know Mm -hmm. um and then they're gone and we never see them again and i remember even like my mom would have a jar of money by the door in our in our my childhood home for the times that the ice cream truck would come Mm -hmm. because you know she didn't want me to bother her every time so she just put some money in a jar um which is crazy you know to think about how it could happen an ice cream man can steal somebody so I came to you with this idea and I said, look, I know, like you said, I know I'm crazy. I know this is crazy. We just finished working on this show, (laughs) this other show. Do you want to, like you said, we have five weeks to do this. Do you want to help me? And you said, absolutely. And the reason why we had five weeks was because we wanted to get it out for Halloween. We only had a certain amount of time to record and, and, uh, and yeah, so, so. Did I come with you with a, a draft or did we kind of come with it together? I really don't we, even remember. So we, I think we started with the idea and then being the endless ball of energy that you are, I think within a day you had a draft <laughs> for the first episode. And so um, I, I started looking at it and, and that's when we started hammering out some of the specifics Mm-hmm. Uh, about the character, you know, because we, we were like, OK, is he a serial killer? Is he mm-hmm. a, you know, is he magic? Is he, what is he exactly in this universe? And what is it that Elgin is trying to confront um, in, in, in yeah. this, uh, you know, in this cat and mouse game with the ice cream man? What is it that he's trying to get? What is the overall problem that he's confronting and who's helping him along the way? And so mm-hmm. that's why we were. Really, kind of jumping in with with uh, Elgin and Olivia and Dustin and all the other characters because we were trying to figure out the different pieces in which they occupied. And then you came to me and said, "You know, this should be in the 1980s." And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, "Okay, right." And, and, and I was like, "Okay, all right." The 1980s because we needed a time when they you couldn't Google anybody, and right. so that made the most sense. And that's where my right. expertise came in because I was old enough to have lived in the 80s. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know when we were recording, you you there was you were you were in the recording process a lot, and you were saying you know they should say you know lines like radical or you know they, yep. they wouldn't say this back in the day, and and you know I mean Antonio yep. and I were were not even born during that time, so you know you were very great to help us yeah. with the the terminology and things that that maybe we I mean obviously we did our research, but like things that yep. people that lived through that would know, you know, so that was very yep. helpful. Um, what did you like about writing the show and creating these characters? I mean. Was it what I guess like what what did you enjoy and what was like the challenge for you in terms of this? I think kind of- for me it was uh, it, it was about uh, you know, I I've I've really come to enjoy horror and twenty twenty two is in twenty twenty one twenty twenty two have really been a year of horror uh, for for yeah. me and that uh, not not personally but what I'm saying is with um, with the creation because I 
I started writing a horror myself with a micro anthology called Ill Omens and Bad Tidings. And yes. so I, all of the stories are the length are the length of a tweet. You have all these different challenging aspects to it because you have to tell the story in that, that amount of time with that dialogue, with the music, with everything. So I, I started experimenting there and really started getting more interested in the horror genre. Um, and then this year I narrated an audio book called Deeper Than Hell. And so I was I was really in that mindset because I was recording that while we were yes. writing um, ice cream. I was like, okay, you know, the, the, here's, here's the, the thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just seeing all these different, um, the way that different writers approach, you know, the, the it, approach it in prose, like how yeah. can we approach it in audio drama? And so I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the, the challenge of making this. I, I, I love the challenge of creating this, this terrifying kind of world using the ice cream man who you think is, mm-hmm. you know, harmless. Right. And I, I really loved being able to, um, just try and figure out, okay, how can we make this uh, mysterious? How can we make this off-putting? Um, what is it that he's going to confront in this story mm-hmm. that is so off-putting mm-hmm. about this ice cream man? And what does the ice cream man want? And so, you know, there, there's, there were a lot of questions that we were trying to answer. And so puzzling that out and trying to make everything logically yeah. consistent was... Uh, I mean, I remember there was a time where we were going to make him almost magical kind of creature... Do mm-hmm. you remember the thought process of of getting there and then deciding ultimately, no, maybe not that way? And there's, you know, I, I, it's so funny because, Adam, I don't really remember both Cascadia and Ice Cream writing it. I think we get into these kind of like, I get into this kind of like days of just like, it's mm-hmm. you know me, like I get so yeah, focused in it. I get so into it when we're working on it. But then when I'm out of it, I, it's like it's gone. It's very bizarre. I don't know. So I'm wondering if you were because this is all news to me. So tell me. <laughs> well, originally we so we talked about it. And we we couldn't decide exactly what he was, and so the, right. the idea was uh, originally he was going to be a serial killer, and we, mm-hmm. we we thought about that. But then, you know, when we talked about it, the more we we puzzled it over and we we kind of played with the idea, the more we we thought, well, that's kind of pedestrian. It's not something that is mysterious. If he's a serial killer, the police will be all over him. There has to be something about him that allows him to move mysteriously or to be mysterious and still have this facade of normality to be able to throw off any suspicious minds. Right. And so we we were talking about it and and then um, we, we thought about be, him being magical. And it, it, that was kind of the, the original idea that we had. And then I, I think yeah. I was doing some research and, and then I was like, well, what if he was a biblical demon or something? What if he was... What if he was demonic? Yes, because you know we want we want him to be able to snatch children. We want him mm-hmm. to be able to 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 move you know in a really off putting fashion. We want him to be able to to do different things that wouldn't a normal human being wouldn't be able to do. So we originally made him a demon, and then we had yes. to figure out the the overall you know trajectory of okay, how is he a demon? What can he do? What can he do? And so the more we we talked about it and played with it, is how we started to to flesh out Alec. Yeah, and, yeah, um, and so you know, like, and and the, the great thing was is that you came up with the name Alec. I found the name Alcanor as uh, yes in, in the research, well, and, which is so crazy because that was I came up with that idea, just a random name, just kind of like a placeholder for the time that we were writing, and then you're like, no, no, no this actually works because Alcanor is actually one of the servants of Beelzebub. Yep, very ironic, and I thought that was I was like, hey, then this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, we, you know, the, the more we started to flesh it out, we thought, okay, well, what if he is actually human or what mm-hmm. if he is, he's a demon, but he's somehow renounced his, his demonic powers, or he's somehow like not using them actively until this time. 
And, you know, so like part of it was, you know, my, you know, we, you and I think along very similar lines and, and then we, we kind of come up with the idea and then, and then I'm, I'm like, okay, how do we make this logically consistent? How do we make yes. this scientifically consistent? Because the, the whole idea of the cream Originally, we tried to see if we could fi- figure out some basis in scientific reality, so that you know, mm-hmm. if anybody was listening to it, well, they'd go, "Well, that's that's not true. That's made up." So, again, being able to use make it say, "Yeah, he's a demon. It's magic." Then we, we could get away with a lot. We more We can kind of get away with it, yeah. But also, I just think I love the demon aspect because it is so grounding in the term in terms of just the horror of how something that maybe happened in your past or your old self still creeping up to the new you or the current mm-hmm. you and and knocking on your door and even if you're you're you've passed that part of your life it could still re- reoccur and you know even though we've done it in more of a demonic way and you know there's different elements in the show i think it's still relatable that like you can run from your past, but you can't hide. But something in that, along those lines, it's like, you know, that that's what makes a human and, and grounds it a bit, you know? Yeah. And, and what's really great is that, that, um, the, there, there, there are really great parallels between Elgin and between Alec. Yes. Alec is running from his past and Elgin is trying to, in some ways, step into his future. So, yes. you know, cause, cause we, one thing that we really, we really uh, fleshed out was the idea that, you know, Elgin is kind of a, he starts out as a boy, and then by the end, he's really stepping into more of an adult role. He's taking charge. He is, he, he's, you know, I'm not going to take this from this guy. I'm taking him down. You know, there's, there's a real transformation there. And then we find out mm-hmm. that Alec actually tried to transform, but in some mm-hmm. ways he couldn't by his, out of, he made a choice and he's being brought back into the fold regardless of totally. what he really wants. And you know, so there's there's some really great parallels between yeah. these two characters. They're great foils for each other. And in the end, it's like, you know, the last episode, it's like they have this wonderful moment where Alec and Elgin are talking to each other. And it's like, wouldn't you do anything for the one you love? And that's what Alec had to do for, you know, his, his he lost his son. And, you know, mm-hmm. the things he's doing is for his wife because of the skin condition. And he's kind of putting Elgin unfairly in this position where it's like you have to choose between your brother or, you know, saving them or sacrificing. So it's this really interesting parallel, like you said. And, and yeah, he's on the cusp of puberty and, you know, him and Olivia. And that's why they haven't been a target because they had rough skin and they mm-hmm. weren't, you know, they're kind of going through that change where, uh, you know, Mr. Handsome victims are are prepubescent children because they haven't gone through the change in their skin yet and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I just thought that was so rich and the, the way you came up with all that with me and it was just so fun to do because we were, it yeah. was just coming out of us. It was like, yeah. it was, it was so euphoric, you know, as a writer to write with you in that way, truly, you know, and it was so fun. And yeah. just to have it evolve in real time and watch it evolve in real time. Because we had this idea, but it's like, how are we going to make this? How are we going to sustain this for a series? Uh-huh. And then the more we kept on adding to it, it just kept on getting darker and darker. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and like we, you know, we, we talked about all the different themes. And, and so, yeah. um, you know, originally I, you know, my, my thought originally was let's, let's imply a lot of the violence and a lot of the gore. But then we decided to go for the gross out, which is yeah. really, you know, if Stephen King wrote about that, he's like, when in doubt, just gross him out. And, and yeah, so that's, exactly. that's one of his writing rules. And so I was like, you know, let, let, okay, let's do it. You know, let's go yeah. for it and see what happens. And so we, we started building on to you know, the, the lore, you know, Elgin's going to this yeah. place into, into Sedona. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, he's from Denver, and, you know, for everyone listening at home, this is my history. I'm from Ohio, which is where <laughs> yes. is. I live in Denver, which is where Elgin is. 
And then, you know, at Sedona, I really don't have no connection there. We just yeah. made, <laughs> we just made but, that up. Yeah. Um, well, we went somewhere hot, right? Because an ice cream man. Yeah. Who would, you know, yeah. So. And but so, that's why, um, yeah, we did as a, an homage to you those those places for sure. It, it was definitely yeah. inspired because I, I was the American slash eighties expert yes. because <laughs> I live in America and I'm you know old and uh, and so <laughs> no, <laughs> that's where my that's where my expertise came came in came in handy. So I I loved the whole. I mean, another thing. I mean, you know, Alec Alec and Eleanor they are you know they are to somewhat serial killers. We never officially say that you know, but there's mm-hmm. you know there's been news reports of them kind of disappearing after the kids disappear, and they've been in all different cities. And the, the reason why we want to also set it in the '80s was because I feel like you know I've watched a lot of documentaries, and in the '80s a lot of counties, a lot of states, they didn't really interact with each other in the police departments, right? They didn't mm-hmm. really have a, a, a database or system. Um, so that was another reason why we we did that too, because it was easier to. Um, have them move around faster, you know, and, and yep. more discreetly. But there was something that I just love about the 80s that is so 80s, which is, you know, QVC, Avalon, those like door-to-door selling kind of mm-hmm. face cream, skin cream kind of, yep. you know, uh, that whole industry. It was so kind of appealing to me. It's such an 80s thing. And I thought, you know, I don't even remember how we came up with the whole face cream, but I knew I wanted something with cream because ice cream, it could be a double meaning. And then yep. we kind of played into all that. And that was so, so fun to write because it was just, that's so classic, right? Yeah. Well, and, and so with the with the 80s, yeah, we there's the lack of infrastructure for the internet. The internet was really kind of isolated. Right. Um, you know, the stuff that we have today, that was science fiction in the eighties. We were like, Whoa, right. holy, you know, holy cow, this is, you know, uh, being able to talk to people on a computer. What is this? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is voodoo. Um, and then <laughs> QVC, excuse me. And, and Avon it's Avon. Yes. Um, but, uh, and my mom used to buy cosmetics from a, an Avon lady. I remember that. So, um, there was that, and then there was also we talked about the satanic panic of the eighties. Yes, because yes. The, yeah, the the idea that we we wanted to find a way to make Elgin seem like he was you know hallucinating or is full of it, and so we came up with the idea of if it's in the eighties, there's this, the satanic panic going on. So the mm-hmm. parents are a little bit hyper vigilant, but in the wrong way, and right. there's just this concern of. You know, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, oh my God, the devil's going to possess you and you're not going to be able to distinguish reality from fantasy. And there's all this horrible stuff going on and and that's going to help play into the paranoia of Elgin saying, oh, the ice cream man totally. is, a, is a serial killer. And so um, we, we, you know, we had a lot of fun building that up and, and you know, constructing the, the characters for, for Alec and Eleanor was was great because we were like, okay, you know, if Alex, if he is a demon, then he doesn't really have to worry about aging. How do we keep Eleanor with mm-hmm. him all this time? And so then the cream made sense because she would use the cream. It was a very common thing. You know, every, like most women in the 80s were using the, the face creams and other th- and other stuff like that. And um, I, I think we also talked about at one point, we we're going to say, okay, well, Eleanor, you know, she looks 40 years old, but, you know, mentally she's gone. She's out to lunch. Yes. We yes. talked about having her be really senile or really, really insane yes. because you know the weight of killing all these children over the years. It, it it doesn't matter if you're on board with it; it still takes a psychic toll. Not that I'm speaking yes. from experience, but um, <laughs> we, we were we were saying that you know it, it takes a psychic toll, and so she's beginning to yes. lose her lose touch. And yes. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we've been doing interviews with Diana, who plays Eleanor, and she she said it really well. She's like, you know, I, it's it's almost like you're. She's Eleanor had this. She was a, a woman of faith, a devoted wife, and you know, she thought that this was going to be their life, and then something terrible happens, which is she loses her kid and, to this demon that she knew about, but was promised that it was in the past, you know, yep. and then she gets this horrible skin disease all around the same time, and it's like. What other option do you have? What do you have to do to survive and for love? And, you know, it is it is kind of extreme. But, you know, seriously, if you put yourself in that shoe, in your shoes, I'm not saying I would do it. But, like, what would you do? Like, what would you do yep. if you had the one solution? It's, it's, you know, and then add on top of that to the psychoticness of Alec and maybe the manipulation yep. to him. You know, it's 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 all a recipe for for terror and horror you know and and it's it's sad at the end of the day because i don't think alec does want to do it either but he has to because he wants to save his life and his wife and everything well one of the narrative rules you know in, in writing is if you really want to create a true villain you give them a choice for redemption if they have right. if they take the choice then you know they're, they're then they're no longer a villain but if you give them the choice and they cast it away that truly makes them the villain, and so they're mm. they're just amazing examples in, in yeah. popular culture um, that that really show that you know that that characters have this chance to really be truly good, and they throw it away because they feel that they need to do something else. Like you know, Anakin Skywalker's right. like, oh, I want to save my wife, so I'm going to kill all these people, right? You know, Jedi, you know. So that that's a real, you know, he he was given a chance at redemption, yeah. And he screwed it up. But but another thing is that you know, as a creator, and I'm sure you feel this way too, um, you know, seeing that people on the fourth episode, which is the flashback episode of Alec, you know, say that, oh my gosh, wait, I actually like him, or I'm actually rooting for him, or I actually feel bad for him. Yep. That was really cool because you know, we started off not knowing where the story was going when we wrote it, you know, but then having a human mo- emotion to him and and putting him in a position where Beelzebub is saying, you're either gonna do this. Or you're either going to do this because either way I'm going to get you. So either we're going to play ball my way and at least you can have some kind of life and continue your all-American life or not. But you're going to just end up coming back to me. So either way. So it's just he's he's cornered as well. So it's just a lot of layers to it, which I really don't think I could have done without you. So thank you. I I I love writing. So the the scene between Beelzebub and Charlie was and and, uh, Alec was great because, you know, it was like, okay, how do we make this guy? truly evil and one thing is just we're going to make him flip it he's going to be just taunting the, right. the 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 crap out of him all the way through the scene and then he's going to sit there and be like look you are what you are fish got to swim birds got to fly demons got to possess souls and <laughs> and and so that's where where that line you know you can clothe yourself in meat and flesh and bone but it doesn't change what you are and exactly. you know and and with every life you take it's going to chip away at that veneer of humanity and you're going to come back to the fold and so that yep. that was really fun because it was like he's he's you know he's foreshadowing he's like look you're you're going to fall it doesn't matter how pure you think you are you can go ahead and do this because it's all transitory we are eternal and so that exactly. that was such a fun fun scene to play and the the actors that we had were phenomenal Oh, so. so cool. I, I just interviewed Steven for our unscripted show, which is a deep dive on the actors. And he said, you know, I want to approach it with just a very, you know, subtle, you know, grounded way. I didn't want to be demonic vibes. I want to be very yeah. subtle because I think the horror was in the writing and the and the and just the, yeah. what we were what I was saying. I didn't need to put it on. It was already there in the writing. So well, it, he was superb. I mean, like I said, I, I think I messaged you at one point. I was like, he's like Jeffrey Combs. 
Yes. You know, the, the noted horror actor and reanimator. And, you know, he, he sounded to me like a character in Star Trek Deep Space Nine named Weyoun, this yes. really like smarmy diplomat. It was just he's a horrible person. And mm-hmm. he just has this great, you know, like, so, so yeah, Steven was great in, in yeah. portraying that. I loved it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about casting because we together were doing the casting a lot. What was the process um, for you in terms of that? Uh, when, yeah, so I, I listened to, I listened to a lot of the, uh, I listened to the auditions for Elgin and I think I listened to the ones for Dustin um, and then uh, Officer Wilson. And, uh, and, and, you know, with, with Laura's audition, I just heard, uh, I heard this, this voice of the, there's a, there was a little bit of, of, of resignation, like, you know, this, this is just a really shitty situation to be in, but, um, there was a quiet authority to her voice. Mm-hmm. She, she carried herself in that scene with those lines that we gave her, mm-hmm. um, with just incredible poise and incredible strength and I felt like less is more. You know, we, we don't want a character that goes in and, and you know, throws the interrogation table over and gets in the face and like, who do you work for? You know, like, right, who, right. You know, why did you kill them? Like, I, we wanted someone who really would be level headed and be really, um, really strong in the face of adversity. And so um, mm-hmm. Lauren's audition was fantastic. I could just see her. You know, like if, if this ever were to go to screen, she'd have to play the character because totally. Hi, Lucas. Remember me? I'm Officer Wilson, the one who interviewed you the other day. And who are you? Hi, Olivia. What do you... Look, it's not about taking you seriously or not. We just didn't have any proof or evidence. We don't even have a name or a license plate for this guy. Well, that's what I want to propose to you. Now, I know this is all very traumatic for you, Lucas. So if you don't want to do this, that is 100% okay. You said the ice cream truck guy comes at what time? Okay. So I'm thinking of having you and Olivia go undercover. Operation Ice Cream Truck, if you will. You'll stand outside your house waiting for the ice cream man to come at 3 p.m. Once he does, you approach him as if you're going to buy some ice cream. Don't worry, the entire street will be heavy with undercover police presence. We'll be in unmarked cars and standing by watching the entire thing. Even if he tries to take you, we'll have him cornered and arrested in seconds. The goal here is to catch him in the act of abduction so we can apprehend him and find out where these missing kids are, including your brother. Hi, Elgin. Do you remember me? I'm Officer Wilson. I took your statement the other day. I know who you are. And what's your name? Olivia. I live a few doors down. Hi, Olivia. Why didn't you take what I said seriously? You didn't even bring him in for questioning. Now now he took my little brother. Another kid gone because of you. Elgin, calm down. It's okay. It's not about taking you seriously or not. We just don't have any proof 
or evidence. We didn't even have a, a license plate or a name to go on. How many kids have to go missing before you stop this fucking lunatic, huh? None. But we need more than an eyewitness. Mr. Foster, do you mind joining us, please? Yeah. Okay. I want to start by saying that I understand this is a very traumatic situation for everyone, so... If you don't want to do what I'm about to tell you, that is 100% okay. What is it? Alright. You said Mr. Handsome comes at what time? Well, 3pm and 11pm is what we noticed. Right. This is unorthodox, but in an attempt to catch him in the act, I want Elgin and Olivia to go undercover. What? Just hear me out. The two of you will stand outside this house waiting for Mr. Handsome to return. If he arrives, you'll approach him as if you're going to buy some ice cream. Meanwhile, my team and I will be in unmarked cars watching the entire time. If he tries anything, anything, we'll have the entire area blocked off so he can't get anywhere. He's not going anywhere. What do you say? And then for the kids, I mean, the kids were so amazing. Mm -hmm. I was so impressed by hearing these well-trained, polished children who would come in and do such an amazing job. Uh, I was very, very impressed. I mean, yeah. Yeah, listening to them, I I, I was just listening. I was like, okay, you know... um, the you know these you know who is convincing as a as a fourteen year old kid who's convincing yeah. as a ten year old um, you know it, when, when they're talking is there you know do they embody that character we're, we're trying to listen, you know can they just step into that voice and really just you know be that character and so you know our our, our choices were were great. Hi, I'm Billy Christos Jr. I'm eleven years old and I live in Vancouver, BC. Hello? Anyone there? Hmm, do you have any tiger blood ice cream? Dustin? Yeah, just visiting my dad for the summer. Originally from Denver, though. It's cool, I guess. Just exploring now. How much do I owe ya? Really? Radical, thanks. Thanks, later. Yes? And what song is that? We all scream for ice cream. Yeah, I know it. So? If I sing this to you, you'll give me free ice cream. Wow, thanks. Sure, I guess. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Hi there! 
Welcome to Scoop's Ice Cream Truck. What can I get you today? Hmm. Do you have any tiger blood? I sure do. Coming right up. I haven't seen you around, kid. What's your name? Dustin. Hi, Dustin. Are you new to the neighborhood, or...? Just visiting my dad for the summer. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> okay. I got one Tiger Blood ice cream for our new visitor, Dustin. Thanks. How much do I owe you? Oh, keep your money. It's on the house. Really? So, so it's free? Mm-hmm. A welcome to the neighborhood special. Cool. Thanks. It just it's just so them even Elgin the way he talks and he's such a 14-year-old he's a 20-year-old in real life but he just yep. has that kind of like I, 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 there's just everything Olivia's voice was so different and yeah. perfect everybody was so good mm-hmm. and I'm so proud of it you know and it's mm-hmm. like I I don't know I'm so happy because everyone worked so hard too you know in the studio yeah. they were working hours and hours and they were yep. just killing it so yeah. Yeah, we were, we did we did it over several days, and you know, I, we were. It, it was funny because you guys were all. I mean, you were all really good about remembering that. Hey, Adam's on the line. I gotta you know be able to so you yes. can see the actors or so you can hear. Yes. Them, you know? And so I mean, you were yes, we were recording in Vancouver, so you called in, and it was, it was hard because sometimes I you know it was I was using my phone and I had to get you on, and it was it was hard. But we'll definitely make sure that the next show or something we'll get you maybe flown in, hopefully one day, and you can spend the week with us. Um, did you have? Do we should we talk about anything else on the writing, or do you think we've covered most of that? I I, I mean the you know between the two of us we you know we I think we did a great job. I think that. Uh, you know, like you were coming up with a lot of really great ideas and got all the got all the the Thank structure, you. and then I'd come along and I might be like, okay, let's change this line here. Yes, like like we we really thought along the same line. So when you wrote it, I'd be like, okay, I I see what you're where you're going here. Let's go ahead and change this up. Yeah. So we we really are a good team in that. Yes, with that kind of structure. And, yeah, uh, I mean, how I'm many times have I sent you voice notes and voice notes, and you send me voices, and we we're just like, yes, yep. oh my god, yeah, that's hilarious, or that's amazing, yep. yes, got that. And then we had the Google Doc, and I mean, if we could just put our voice notes all together, it'd be like, a, yep. that's its own show, I think, you know. So, <laughs> um, so any so final thoughts, I guess, on this is, um, what is your reaction to everybody, um listening to the show and loving the show. I mean, we've been listened to in over 50 countries and had all these downloads and it's so crazy. Like I said, we only, it was only, only six months ago. We conceptualized this idea and then now it's had such a big reach. What are your thoughts on that? You know, and, and seeing all the reactions online. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by the reaction that people have had, like, because, you know, you look on, you look on various, you know, social media platforms and people are like, oh my God, you sons of bitches. You, you made me feel so <laughs> like he's terrible and I feel bad yes. for him and I feel bad because of it. And so yes. like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And then you, we, we've got, you know, people talking about, oh my God, this is like a perfect, like the, the tableau is perfect. The sound design, your, I mean, your sound design was absolutely on point. Thank you, Adam. Because um, you know, you've got so there are people who are born to be sound designers who have a born instinct for it. And then there are people who have to learn it, you know, the hard way. So I learned it the hard way. You, you've got the natural instinct for it, and Thank so that you. really added that that environment, which which really helped. And so you know Thank to have you. people go, you know, holy shit, this sound design is incredible. Like I had professional audio engineers telling me this this is fucking incredible. And then thank you. You know, um, when we're getting the reviews and they're like, you know, we've managed to channel Stephen King. Like that, that yeah, that's a really that nice was cool. I mean, yeah. that, that's fantastic. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, you know how to... hard we've worked on this. And yeah, like you said, to see all that is just, I mean, we don't do it for that. We do it to, yeah. to, to make good content and to make, yeah. to entertain people. But then to see those kind of reactions and to see those reviews, you know, it's just an extra layer of why we do it. And it's, it's yep. very validating to, yeah. to have that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to be able to hear like, you know, th- this is so amazing. I, l- I love to be able to listen to it. I mean, it, it's wonderful to know that it's resonating with people and that they're on board with it and they're subscribing to it. I mean, that that's the, that's the fuel for the tank. I mean, that, like, I, I don't necessarily need to be told I'm wonderful all the time. Yes. Like, it's nice. No, to, please know, don't. Know, yeah. But, but, you know, to to have to have people say, you know, you did a good job. That that's really yeah. great because then then you say, okay, we we're ready for the next project. We're ready to get yeah. something else out because we want to keep that going. And so that that's really validating and uh it, it was it was a lot of fun and you know, that that's the most important thing is that we enjoyed it and we we had a good time making it and the audience had a good time listening to it. I think those yeah. are, there's a synergy there. Very well said, sir. Thank you so much again and if anything, you know, I've made a good friend in you this year oh, and, um, and I'm glad and I can't wait to continue our partnership and working together on future 911 shows. It's going to be so much fun in the future with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just uh, audience, just you wait. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, okay, my sir. How are you, Antonio? I'm good. Emotionally exhausted, but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You've been working on Yellow Jackets all week, Yes, right? it's, the sh- it's the show I'm currently working on. We're on our last yeah. week, finishing off for the year, and then we'll come back and finish the rest of the season in the new year. Well, I'm so proud of you because you literally get to do this full time, directing and working in film. And I think a lot of people would want that. And I know it's really draining and tiring. You work really hard, but you have to sometimes think like, oh, man, like I'm doing what a lot of people wish. Right. 
Yeah, I am. I am very cognizant of the fortune I do have, but it also, yeah, like with everything in life, you need balance and kind of mm-hmm. know your limits and um, don't push yourself too far because then you'll crack. So <laughs> I'm just finding out what those limits are this year for sure. <laughs> yes. Well, Antonio, we're here again. Round two. Yes. Ice cream. How do you feel? I'm really proud of this project. Um, I came in as just the director story editor on this one. So I kind of got the script finished, uh, which was different yeah. than Cascadia season one because I worked very closely with the writing on that one. And it was really yeah. refreshing to see what um, something that wasn't involved in necessarily the creation writing process and seeing how I can interpret it as a director and um, put my own spin on it, you know, tweak a little thing or two if I needed to be and um, kind of, yeah follow the journey of the characters with the actors this time and see how that affected my directing style because I haven't had that experience much really. So what did you find that was like different going into this more as just a sole director versus Cascadia which is like you were co-creator co-writer yeah. co-everything you know. Well the the thing that was definitely different in uh, in terms of the directing process versus writing and directing is that you want to understand where the writer's coming from with every nuance that you don't necessarily know like the subtext of it all and like okay like what's the deeper meaning in this scene like is this something the character's feeling you have to like question a lot more yeah and like really have a better relationship with the writers unfortunately i do so that was really (laughs) helpful um and um yeah and then obviously uh having good writers that want you to be imaginative and uh tag the project and like add your own spin on it like i was saying is a bonus because you're not afraid to like take risks and try something. And then if it's like not in the vein, then you're okay to like dial it back. But if it's like, you know, kind of, Ooh, didn't see that coming. I like that idea. And then it works out. I remember, you know, I, we were, it was summer 2022 and I called you and I said, I'm coming to Vancouver next week and we're doing a show. Are you down? And you're like, yes, I'm down. And I was like, I can't even, (laughs) I can't even begin to describe to you what this show is. I have to tell you in person. I remember we went to the beach, we went to English Bay. If you're in Vancouver, you know, and we sat there. (laughs) Yeah, we have a photo and we sat there and I just tried, I tried to explain to you the chaos of the show, which wasn't even as chaotic as it ended up to be, you know, in terms of all the nuances and all the things that ended up happening. But just the surface level was crazy. And you, I just remember like your face being so bright and excited and you're like, I just cannot wait to get my feet in this and my hands in here. And I just, that excitement like really got me excited. And then, you know, later on, I remember like right before, because we really had such a quick turnaround. It was like a matter mm-hmm. of a few weeks of finishing up writing casting booking studios like everything and i remember having like a little yeah. bit of a breakdown and calling you i'll never forget i was in like a, a superstore and i was just like do you think we should go for this because like there's just a lot there was like it was just very overwhelming there was a lot of union yeah. things and a lot of just like like pre-production stuff that we were yeah, both working on that takes like a couple months did it in a couple exactly weeks. yeah and i said do you think we should do this and that you're like adam like we have to do this like we like you gave me the confidence to do it and to like really push oh. through all the chaos and you said you know it's gonna work out and if it doesn't it doesn't but let's just go for it and, and this is why i cannot not have you and you're just the oh, best man. so thank you I just try to see the positive and like the potential and like you had such a stroke of genius inspiration with this like yeah you wrote it in a couple of weeks with Adam and it was like this guy he's touching something higher so it's like you just gotta hang on to it don't let it go Thank it's so you. weird to like have that that when you see the whole story fully formed in your mind you're just like you can't type fast enough 
and yeah. um, the momentum was there. So I was just like, okay, anything I can do to support you, I'll help get the crafty all sorted out. You know, like yeah. everything and anything, driving around, doing stuff, like writing te- tweaks, anything like that. I'm just. Trying but to that was the thing, available. you know. You jumped in and you started adding nuances to it. You, we started talking more about the characters, and yeah. you were you were also just like editing out the script as well. So I I consider you as part of the writers as well because you really did add a lot of it to it. You know. Oh, so, thank you for that. I think you guys yeah. laid a lot of a great foundation, and the story was so solid coming in that it was honest, honestly easy to elevate the material, like versus like kind of pulling it out from the grave. You know what I'm saying? If it was like so bad, where it's like ah, there's there's no anything scraping it together. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's thank just a bunch you. of scenes. What's happening? <laughs> no, it wasn't like that at all. It was so well formed and well thought through, even right to the very end, um, where you know. Um, did we did we like kind of tweak the ending as we were going? I can't we remember. Did. I feel like it, we did. We yeah, did. It was. I, like a was lo- I mean, my problem with writing is that I overwrite sometimes, and I feel like you helped me pull it back or tighten it up and and make it more uh, mm-hmm. like just yeah, like tighter and, and smoother. Because I feel like I, I I write a lot, and I and you're just like you know it's great, but we should just condense it, and it's and that's the yeah. best part, right? Because it, it it gets to the nuance of I it. I love that about us. Yeah, I love that. So for this, because like Cascadia was super sci-fi, super like you know a lot was going on, action kind of show. This yeah. was a little more chill. Um, and not so sci-fi-ish. What was your kind of tactic on going into it and working with kids as well? Yeah, I mean, one of the the first things that came to mind is like, we need to see these kids grow through this traumatic experience. And like to hear that in their voices, it was something that I really wanted to hit with this, especially with Elgin when, you know, in the beginning, he's like graduating middle school and like he's going into summer and like he's got like that obviously like this teen-esque energy but by the end of the series, he's saving his brother from a psychotic murderer. You know, it's like that yes. was a huge evolution of the mind. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do I how do I communicate that directorially through that actor? So when we were doing certain scenes, I was, you know, hamming up a lot of like his ums and like if he's if he's it's like earlier in the series versus his new form in the mature state towards the end. Totally and more like direct with the tone. And sure of himself and um, maybe even more of like an adult frustration versus like a child, like chaotic one. Like these were the kind of things that I was kind of percolating, especially just with Elgin particularly. Some of the other characters definitely as well didn't. Well, some of them didn't have much of a chance to evolve, like the kids that got abducted, obviously. And, (laughs) um, you know, the the cutting around that uh, where we had one version of their recording and then your version of that recording very separately recorded just so we could protect their, their young minds from the trauma of a guy yelling at them <laughs> i mean we did record a lot with them but then like yeah. certain lines where i'm like swearing or screaming at them we yes, definitely made sure I mean, that they yeah. were not in the room because i was like i i actually didn't feel comfortable i was like no, i'm gonna be the sure. executive decision for this child to leave the studio yeah. when i swear at him or you know good choice <laughs> on that part but um I'm trying to think of other other characters like uh, princess's character and um her kind of evolution, like she kind of came through like episode two or three and was kind of El- Elgin's guide through the story and like just there for Olivia. Him too. So she was, yeah. yeah, she was kind of like the mature, mature aim for him. I don't know if I'm getting off track with the question here, but no, no, no. Just trying to think of yeah. like the developments that we, that we kind of planned out. What was your tactics for like working with kids? Like, did you, did, have you worked with kids before? Oh yes. Tons of times. Yeah. I have the lucky fortune of working with kids on set all the time and, um, I've mentioned this before that I always try to just get on their level at first and like just like break the ice with just 
understanding where they're coming from, their interests, like how do I talk yeah. to them on their level? And um, with the actors that came into the studio, we've only got a couple of days, sometimes even just one to really break the ice. So you just have to have that like light energy coming into it and like see what they bring to the table for the material, meet them where they are, and then just start to build slowly, take after yeah. take after take after take. Because everyone gets warmed up, right? Even the adults, they just need that that moment, that time to like feel like there's no pressure. Creating that safe environment on set is key. And uh, respecting their limits is another thing. Totally. So I think if you really just keep those things in mind and just like go with the flow in a way, have what you need in your in the back of your mind. It's like this is what I'm aiming for as like a director, creator, and trying to get from the scene. But let me see what this kid can do and like understand yeah. how I can massage it into a way where it's like I'm going to get the best out of them. And then you find something new sometimes or you you get like 80% of the way there. And you're like, you know what? At least it's better than 50 or zero. So and you were Versus so good with that you know yeah you were so good with like you're always like really good with that like being patient with the actors or just like kind of like letting them do what they want first and then you kind of go around and tweak or add or like mm -hmm. sprinkle some stuff onto it you always tell me i'm like sh i'm like should we do a rehearsal with the actors beforehand you're like no 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 i want them to go in kind of and show me what they have and then we yeah. can kind of modify it on the day and i love that let the actors lead the action and the director direct them yeah i love yeah. that I love that. It creates like a trust between the between the two creatives because if like the actor feels like I can't take any risks or say anything because it's not what the director wants, then there's like this like undertone of like fear and tension. That yeah. might work for a character if you really want to bring that to the table where like you want this, this character to feel like they're constantly in fear of something. So if like you're the director and like you bring that, that might work for somebody, but that's literally like a case by case. I wouldn't really totally. default to that. Um, totally. But yeah. Trust is important, so that's how you do it. It's really interesting because Elgin and Olivia, they were friends in real life. They were friends mm -hmm. in real life. And I remember when we were they were doing a lot of their scenes, you and I were in the control room just kind of jumping up and down because we only did one or two takes with a lot of those scenes. You know, the scene in episode two where they where they meet Olivia where he meets Olivia and those yeah. kind of scenes, you know, and I was like, they're so good. And you're like, they're so good. And, and we were like, let's just let it roll. You know, and I think a lot of it was because of the chemistry, which is, I thought was really cool. 100%. You can get lucky and like two actors can just click and then riff and then add to the material, like we were saying, in ways that we never saw. And then like you get it in two takes. You're like, well, it's gold. So we can go for diamond if you want. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want, we have the time. I mean, but we got what we need. And like, that's it. Sometimes you're like, how are we so lucky? But take it in stride because sometimes you're not so lucky and it takes 12 takes exactly. <laughs> to get exactly. But you know what? We finished the show. We were scheduled for five days and we did it in four because those yeah. actors worked so hard. They were so good, especially the kid actors. The kid actors were c coming in and they knew their lines more than I did. And I wrote the damn thing. And I yeah. was like, oh my God, like I, I'm, I was like blown away by them. They were so prepared, so professional. I just, I was like so impressed by everybody on the cast. Everyone was just so yeah. freaking prepared and professional i don't and know each kid sounded so unique too like they didn't have the, they didn't sing the ice cream song the same way as yeah. like, like every other kid like they kind of had their own like approach to the material as well which i like they kind of like they were obviously kid sounding but they sounded different as kids i think it's important yeah. in audio series to have different sounds so let's talk about bobby because bobby's one of my favorite characters how did you <laughs> kind of come to the approach of directing Eric Hicks, who plays Bobby, to be that kind of 1980s cringy dad, that guy that's like, he's just, you know, I think he's like a younger dad, you know, I'm sure he yeah. had like his kids in his late teens, early 20s. Um, yeah. What was your kind of approach to that, you know, directing him? 
I think the material really aided that because um, yeah. the other Adam was is obviously older from like that time. So a lot of the, the context, like even um, Bobby played off of. So like the details were the things that like, you know, like the Darth Vader jokes with uh, them at the breakfast yes. table and like... And just his his just his his general prowess as like a person like he's very like friendly and Matthew McConaughey likes to joke yeah yeah Yeah. he's kind of almost like that in person but different but so it was kind of just like let's just like let him loose (laughs) see like sometimes we would just like keep rolling and then he would just keep (laughs) tagging it and it's like okay (laughs) you're just getting it man like the casting was awesome again on this show so. Dustin, I am your father. Come with me and we shall eat breakfast as father and son. What is this? What do you what do you mean what is it? It's a Darth Vader pancake. You don't see that really? The mouth is right here, the eyes it are here. It looks like a blob, Dad. Oh, I tried, okay. I'm trying to think of there's any if there's any moments where I had to like corral him. Oh yes, there was um there was a scene when um, Elgin's brother obviously goes missing, Dustin, and he's um he's kind of like shell shocked by the whole thing, and like I I remember I had to like basically funnel his emotions down to like more devoid of what's happening because he's such like a present guy as a yeah. as a parent in like the series thus far so it was hard it was harder for him to like let go and be like oh yeah he's over there and like just like totally like zone out I just wanted to see him hear him in shock versus seeing him if we were we were filming it I would have had a different approach like obviously like a blank expression maybe a f- central focal point which would tell what the eyes what I wanted to convey but with the audio you had to do it audio so I was like okay like let's just have you you more separated from the present and you're disassociated tell their mom yeah disassociated like what am i going to tell their parent and their mom like you're in your own mind you're out you're outside of the situation at this point so that was the only scene where i felt like i had to direct him in a different way than he was naturally just inclined to go what am i gonna say to their mother mr foster mr foster Where's Elgin? Uh, he's just over there. Thank you. So with Officer Wilson, that's another good one mm-hmm. because, you know, she is, you know, Adam and I just spoke about this. Like, she was kind of that force that was very calming, but still kind of yeah. maternal and ne- neutral. And just and she also had to deal with uh, Officer Bennett, who was just yeah. misogynistic <laughs> at times and very just obnoxious who by the way was a last minute very last minute character i met brock who plays killed it he plays officer bennett and i met him through one of my good friends in vancouver the time when we were i was in vancouver preparing for the show and i was like you know i was officer bennett was a very small one line here one line there kind of role but i met brock and i was like wait wait you are literally officer (laughs) bennett excuse me not in the misogynistic way of course but just like he had that kind of clownery kind of goofy vibe and i was like wait no no no. i gotta have you more in the series and so we we expanded on his character but a very last minute and i'm so happy that we did because it gave officer wilson something to kind of riff on (sighs) wilson you want some ice cream i'm fine bennett thanks (laughs) all right suit yourself 
What are you doing? That's evidence. Oh, come on, relax. Wh- it's grenadine. The test results came back negative for blood. Jesus Christ, Bennett. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking that grenadine's a really great topping for ice cream. Can you be an idiot at your own desk, please? What's your problem? Why are you so pissy? Huh? That time of month again? Are you even the slightest bit suspicious of Alec Jones? You know what? I'm not. Look, we did our due diligence, okay? We did a thorough investigation and nothing came of it. I'll admit it. Guy and his wife? Weird. But they're clean. What bugs me is that you're focusing on him and not any other suspects. I don't know. What about the creepy old guy that lives down the street? You even think about him? Lauren was a really great actress off the off the cuff. So like even just yeah. her baseline talking is like almost officer esque already. Like you almost want to like right. salute her when you meet her. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's just very like and not authoritative, but like just like she's very like grounded in like the way she yeah. speaks. Like she must have been like trained she classically is. in some way. So no, I think with her, I remember coming into the booth and filming it with uh, a lot of like the takedown scenes and um, just kind of created a new energy because she was so solid. Um, I wanted to try to get some different stuff and like I kind of use that sparingly as my back pocket tool where I come in and film the actors doing the audio recording because it just kind of creates a new energy in the room a new person's there there's a new device there Um, they're on camera so they're more conscious of like like their facial features and like that in turn affects the audio because they're internalizing those emotions more vividly yeah. versus just thinking about the material, reading a page or their lines or something and, and spitting it out. There's a different element in there and like blocking it out with her when they were shooting Mr. Handsome. Um, so she was like, yeah, it was, it was mostly that for her in terms of direction is just changing the energy to get something different. Um, not to say that anyone was more or less harder to direct. It was just right. everyone approach. Everyone has a different approach, right? Like communication. I remember Brock, even when we were doing his stuff, he was so disgusted with the things his own character was saying. But when they came out of his mouth, he like, it sounded so genuine, you know, a, a good trait of an actor. So um, he really, he really killed it. Even his scene with Elkin, and he's like giving him a quarter to go call his dad. He wouldn't even let him use the police phone. It's like, I what a tell. I love that scene. I love that yeah. scene. I love editing that scene. And then, like, just to have it all come crashing down at the end of the episode when when Officer Bennett or Officer Wilson's like, "What? He was here? What? You didn't let him call?" It, it, that was just so satisfying to listen to because I'm like, yeah. "Yes," because Bennett sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Bennett, you okay? Oh, yeah. No, it's that that kid, Elegant. He um, he came in tonight just before you got here. He did. What did he say? He said he saw Alex getting children, and I didn't believe him and told him to leave. Are you kidding me, Bennett? What? He's been saying crazy shit from the start, okay? Without an ounce of proof. I thought he was playing some dumb game on us, especially since we just cleared Alec and Eleanor's house. You're fucking unbelievable. Where are you going? To do my job. Unlike you. The flashback episode. That's a whole different episode. We actually recorded that whole episode in a day in Toronto. Um, so what was that like? Because, you know, I mean, it was kind of like a whole, it's like an interlude episode. It's so different. Yeah. It's a whole flashback episode. We had a whole new cast of characters, essentially, except for Eleanor and, and Handsome. Right. What was that like? You know? Well, we had that huge scene with Beelzebub and, yes. um, Mr. Handsome, which is like the huge reveal of like the why behind all of the what. 
in the story yeah. and like what's motivating him and his character and his narrative arc and yeah people were like wow i couldn't believe i, I could feel sympathy for this guy but i kind of do he's right. he's kind of trapped right. between a, a rock and a and a demigod if you will or yeah. what's the yeah. opposite i don't know what they call it but off the top <laughs> of my head um but yeah uh, how was it like directing uh steven who plays beelzebub you know how did you how did you approach like going towards like d- d- directing a demon because i i remember telling you i was like i don't want you know this like demon kind right. of character i wanted it to yeah. be realistic as, as much as we yeah. could you know and i think uh we we tried i remember we tried variations of the voice and we yeah. went like we went to the moon and then back to the ground and then we found the sky and like that's where we wanted to stay and there was moments where you felt like he was more human-esque and then yes. moments where he kind of spoke godly and like like old older and like wiser and like the way he, the language he chose um, which was interesting because it's like this guy can like he's not really a guy he's 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 like a bean of sort but he's yeah. trying to like communicate to um, to Mr. Handsome's character in a way where he understands him and like the audience will understand him especially so that was really cool to see him kind of rein that horse in and like ride it kind of in a way where it's like still gonna stay within the lines but be like this wild wild bull in a sense that's that's kind of like the metaphor i'm using and when i was directing him yeah no it's like okay i I want him to sound like not human as well but i don't want him to sound like uh, like corny or anything like hammy that way so it was kind of like trying to keep your head your feet on the ground but your head your head in the clouds at the same time when it when it was like with him and he did a great job i remember we did a lot of takes just to get different options of his his monologue and his conversation with you um and he killed it of course he killed it and you know he's he's an acting coach here in toronto and i was so happy that he wanted to be a part of this because he's kind of like a legend here and i was like so thankful that he wanted to be a part of it and you know i talked to him like i said on on 911 plus on apple podcasts and we did our own little in-depth in-depth interview and you know i i said how did you approach how did you uh, prepare for this, you know, and he said, you yeah. know, I, I wanted to let the words and the text be the horror, you know, I was yeah. just kind of being grounded and saying how I felt. And I was, you know, he's like, I was so thankful that Antonio and you didn't want this, like, like you said, like, kind of like corny, campy demon. No. It was yeah. all in the text. And then, you know, yes. we ad- added that little kind of filter at the end, you know, in post production that just elevated it to the next level and i love that he had like yeah. a little bit of a fly filter like a zzz, like a zzz kind of to his voice yes. which i think was really fun because he is you know the lord of the flies i know when i first heard it i was shocked shocked to think that one could prolong life by slaughtering a child but then they are gotta die sometime so why not in service to someone you love No. Hear me out. You find the children. Feed their tiny, little, tasty souls to me through worship. In return, I will make sure the child's skin will produce what you need to prolong Eleanor's life. Oh, I tell you what. I'll even make the skin cells age her backwards to radiate beauty. And you can resume living this so-called perfect all-American life that you so desperately love, and she can live. Love is a many-splendored thing, Alcanor. Wouldn't you give anything to save her? Let's talk about Mr. Handsome. Sure. This is the big one. 
you know yeah. and i think one of the hardest you know, directing uh, challenges character character because i'm a shit sure. actor <laughs> no. <laughs> no. honestly this would have been hard for joaquin phoenix to, to kind of pin down to be honest it was a lot and it was hard and you know mm-hmm. i really with cascadia it was like i was really learning the ropes of this medium i was yeah. doing the producing I, w- I didn't direct, obviously, Cascadia, but I was doing producing, acting, co-writing, all mm-hmm. the things. And it was very hard. But I felt like Declan was an easier character to play because he is, um, like, just a regular guy, obviously, who has baggage and who has, like, who's in a yeah. horrible circumstance. But I I can kind of just play myself through his shoes. Whereas Handsome, right. there was different layers to it. And it was very kind yeah. of tricky to navigate that yes um and so i really felt like with ice cream this time around i kind of let all the producing stuff take a back seat and i really really want to just focus on the acting and yeah. thank god for you because i just let myself fall into you and you just directed me and, and coached me and, yeah. and kept me there um like you did with cascadia but with cascadia like i said i felt i was able to be more flexible um right. so let's talk about him because I just talked to Adam and we we talked about how we weren't really sure how we wanted to approach this character. We didn't know if he should yeah. be kind of like a sci-fi kind of creature that's not human or maybe he is human and he's more of a serial killer. And then we kind of found the two. But I just want to hear your approach on I'll, I'll talk about my approach in a bit, but I want to hear your approach to the character and how you approach yeah. directing me. Right. Um, when I read Deck, uh, I almost said Deck. <laughs> when I read Mister Handsome and the character and the story, I kind of had this um, this kind of reflection of this guy is everything all at once. He can. He's obviously immortal and like has mm-hmm. lived many lifetimes. So his like cultural intellect is like beyond anything that any living person could ever even hope to achieve. But he's walking among people, so he can't stand out. Which was really cool and interesting because that means he could be a chameleon and like he would just adapt to any situation he was in and would be able to read and pick up on all the subtext, context, body language that we all do. He's had centuries of practice. So mm-hmm. like you could almost never fault him. He could almost be like a perfect liar. So it was almost like this guy has no flaw and like in the social context of things. So I was just trying to think like almost like directing children. How does Mr. Handsome become a part of his environment when he's with Dustin and Elgin on the street, when they're skateboarding is different than when he's with, let's say a kid getting the right, the usual, you know, versus Mm -hmm. a parent coming over to talk to him and, you know, get a little backstory. He has all these things like switches ready to go and turn on in his head. Right. But when his, world starts to kind of become unraveled with the return of Beelzebub. That's when we start to feel like I like for me directing, I was like, that's where I want to start to see the real guy. The guy yeah. that was born centuries ago into this life. Because that's all triggering totally. those old emotions. So up to that point, it was all like, Mr. Handsome, you're going to become this version of Mr. Handsome. Then this version of Mr. Handsome. And then this version of Mr. Handsome. And you're just like basically, yeah, putting out these versions of yourself that are well rehearsed, well buttoned up until we show everyone who you really are. And then that will be like, that's the true sense of the character towards like the last episode where you're running around the warehouse trying to kill Elgin and uh, and Princess. Yeah. And Olivia, sorry. I was having a hard time with this character. Even though yeah. I wrote the damn thing without him. <laughs> I was having a hard time getting inside of him. I wasn't sure how to approach it. I wasn't sure how mm-hmm. to go about it. 
until you said that to me. You said, Adam, he has diff- he's a chameleon. He has different versions of himself, like how yeah. we all do, you know? It's, right. it's it's interesting, you know? The way you talk to your teacher is different than how you talk to your friend on the playground. It's right. like, it's, it's as simple as that. And, you know, Handsome, he's, you know, when he's with a kid, the beginning of the series, that's why he talks like he's like a child, you know? Like, we talk yeah, really like Yeah, his that. discourse when is he, really high intellect, for sure. Right. When he talks to Elgin, he's more mature, like, more, a little more mature, but, st- like, he ma- he mirror. you said it perfectly, he mirrors who he's speaking yeah. to. With with Officer Wilson, he, he mirrors more of an adult approach. When he's talking about, you know, his kid, he's more of an adult vocally. So vocally, yeah. it was interesting for me to to go to all these different ranges. I've never experienced that Did a really before. good job with that. Thank you. Thank you. But then even at the end of the episode where I'm like fully demonic, screaming, rah, you know, <laughs> very that bass vibes as well. It was so fun. And again, I don't think I would have been able to do that without you kind of just like sitting down with me and like talking about it and like yeah. coming at me with that kind of angle. And that's how I got into the character. And mm-hmm. I had so much fun with it. I had so much fun with it. And I think you're right. Yeah. He, he's a, he does mirror and that's, yeah, very various reasons for that. Yeah. Yes, and I feel like that character can be done over and over and over again through multiple stories um, over time because of that ability of just being yeah. alive for so long. And it's interesting because when he finds Eleanor, uh, he wants to he wants to become human. And it's like, does he want this to be his last life? And like having that like that subplot in the back of your mind is like, whoa! Like, what does that mean? Like, how would he live that life? having lived mm-hmm. so many that's stuff that i was thinking about even though it has no kind of sway on the story and the happening but it's like that's a choice he's making with that monologue when he's explaining that to elgin you know and like he's having that almost like faux sentimental heart to heart with him about what's what what this all means and what he wants elgin to be and like that kind of revival of that life that was kind of taken away from him from beelzebub because of his debt um, that he owed so I was like whoa this is kind of like interesting almost movie in it itself <laughs> side plot movie <laughs> spin-off yeah. if you will and I think you know I mean yes the show has a lot of like it's not really jump scare horror but there's a lot of horror elements to it but I think really the true horror in all of this is you know one you can marry like Eleanor she married a demon and that is yeah. like you could take that with a grain of salt because maybe obviously the person that like in real life isn't a demon but they might have demonistic ways yes. or I don't, even yeah. that, I don't know if that's a word but like you know or like like history that that yeah. is baggage is, is baggage but like like horrible baggage and maybe they right. try to be different but maybe that baggage can come up to the future and the present and that's kind of right uh like a metaphor to what we were kind of going for and that's the true mm-hmm. horror that you know something can happen in your life and, and yeah. your life will change and go on the wrong path. And then you have no choice but to deal with that. And, right. you know, Handsome, his, he's, his, his, his past comes up and creeps up on him. And, yeah. you know, like you said, he owes no his dues. No fault of his own and, either. Yeah, he owes his dues. And, and it, it cost him his son. And, you know, he got this choice where it's like, okay, do I go back to the fold? Or do mm-hmm. I continue to live this all-American life with my wife and save her at least? Um, but at that cost, it costs a lot of kids and humans and then it kind of humanizes him in a way where it's like you think about that you're like holy shit yeah. like what would i do if i was in that situation yeah hopefully not do what he did but it's like what else do you do i don't know it's a very like there's yeah. so much levels he pays to a, it he pays a big price to have what he yeah what he feels like he he's been he, and he, the hard the hard part about it all is because he's like he's trying to like forge a new path and like change and change his ways right. like he finds love and he wants to leave right. that that demonistic element behind and he's like i'm just trying to get away like i'm not even trying to like do anything but 
PS Club. Like, no, it. you can't go. Yeah, You're chained to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a great it was a great experience to do it. Having uh, Cascadia done, and that was kind of like the icebreaker. This one was more of like a polished thing. Like you said, we did it in less days than we thought we would. The um the the actual like context of like the actual theme and like the actual tone of the whole piece was different. So the pace and energy was different, and like how to direct under those circumstances. It's like you almost want to keep the energy up sometimes, yeah, and not yeah. let it get too too stale and like have those peaks and valleys. Where Cascadia that was already built in to like literally the day of the days. Like we were starting right. with high energy scenes and like crashing and literally almost falling asleep on the mic by the end of the day. Some days they were literally spent like emotionally and like they couldn't stand up anymore yes. um no. i i just i just love doing these it's just like a it's different it's different than film like in a way that you can't really put a finger on like part of the creation happens in the mind of the listener and like mm-hmm. having direct like the right direction where you're not putting your hands on it too much and you're leaving some ambiguity in the right places in the right ways that just makes the context so rich it's like having like i think i said in the other interview we did earlier is like you're with another creator obviously that we're having like the best worlds of like the book and the music and the film elements all in one where like you can build out this imaginative world what these characters look like it's just such a fun experience i can't wait to do more of them ice cream was a great a great thing i never done a horror um a sci uh not even sci-fi sorry a horror element story before um so that was kind of a first for me and i like that it wasn't a jump scare story and was more of like the make your skin crawl how sickening is this but it wasn't gory right like there's not like it's like huge blood it's just like the whole idea of it it's and that's the whole thing with audio it's so psychological this was a perfect horror for that so i was really happy that i got this opportunity to do it yeah i just i i i love it too and even just like sound designing this one was so different than sound designing cascadia you know set cascadia i mean i really like you and i we really work on you said it best too one time you said to me you're like it's it's if we can visualize it while we're writing it, then the audience will be able to visualize it. If we can yes. hear it, we can hear the soundscape, then they'll be able, it'll be way easier in the editing. And that's, I think, so important when we were doing our writing is that we, we try right. to write it as if it's a film or it's a TV show, you know? Yeah. If we can't explain it, then it shouldn't be in there. You know what I mean? If we can't right. explain it through audio, it shouldn't be the right in there. We, 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 we should find like, another way. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Without trying to, without saying, "Oh my God, there's a car over there," you know, like right. what kind of other contextual clues can we do with the with the setting, the people, the blocking to give that visual clue of what what you what you assume is happening? Because it's never said totally. for sure. Sometimes, right? It's like, oh well, they're in a room and I hear dinner plates, so they must be having dinner, or they right. must be having breakfast. And then you're you're slowly building out. Okay, like what 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 are they having? What's that gonna smell like? You're 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 tapping into this into the senses in a way that's just audio with these little clues. So yeah, and and Bobby know. said it best in one of the scenes. He goes, "Oh, guys, watch out! It's it's hot. Just come off the barbecue." So you know, we didn't say what they're eating, but we know mm-hmm. it's barbecue food. There was a right? scene at the beginning of the first episode where you know Elgin's graduating and the mom gives him a present and he goes, "What is this?" And she says, "Open it." And we we had fun with not telling it right away. We let the listener right? have him open it, and then he said it. Right? We could have been like, she could have said it right and away. His excitement, like, yeah. Right, and yeah, it was excitement, and then he said it. So we built it up, you know. So that's we're having fun with that as well. And I think the, the, from what I've seen, like listeners enjoy that as well. You know, with the soundscape 100%. for this, I thought that it would be really fun to. I really was listening to a lot of 1980s music. I was listening to a lot of ambiance and 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 mm-hmm. like 
like uh, vaporwave music, which is like kind of uh, instrumental music yeah. that was used in the 80s a lot of the time. I was listening to that throughout the entire writing process and the recording process and the editing process. I was so inspired by that and I thought that it helped a lot with telling this story. We got to use some amazing, amazing musicians, Time Cop 1985, and he let us yes, use his thank dialogue. Yes, Time Cop. That song. the best. He is, yes, yes. And like, we Bobby were, we loved were, singing that song. He was, we, <laughs> that was his Yes. Jam. We recorded that not knowing that we would get that song. And yeah. I was like, I'm going, we recorded one for safety. I remember that just yes. without the song in case. But I was like, mm-hmm. we will get this song. I don't care. And we yeah. did. And, and you know, that helps the show so much, you know, getting this kind of music as well. And again, the music yep. in Cascadia was so different than this. Cascadia was very much yes. um, futuristic, sci-fi, ambient, dark ambiance. But this is also yes. like, this was more like, 1980s like i said vaporwave dark ambiance as well just different vintage style and i just thought that was a lot of fun to do it was a hit it was a hit on so many (laughs) levels and like we took that gamble took that chance pushed it and um you know with the next project we do we're gonna try to take more time but not too much time because like that pressure does make diamonds in a way like we do i agree with time on our back like we do kind of work faster harder smarter and like we're not like kind of um like laissez-faire towards it it's not like a like a light approach it's like we're we're passionate we're serious and we're bringing our heart to it because yeah totally time is ticking as well so it's 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 a nice thing to have that i think you know i realized that like like you said the pressure of getting something out Mm -hmm. like you said we work better under pressure like that you know but i think it's it's important that we don't rush it and we never have rushed anything we've made sure that we didn't put anything out until it was fully fleshed out and we were happy with it even if it's on the day of release (laughs) yeah you know there were some days i was late for this and i was like i don't care i'd rather it be you know quality than just have it out on time you know and and i think you know the a lot of that comes with just the writing and making sure that we're confident with our writing and then once the writing is solid then we can go in the studio and then the the, everything else kind of falls into place but it's just yes making sure the writing is the the strongest because that's the foundation for everything else you know for sure character development world building all, all that. of that comes from a good script you gotta have it or else you're yeah. up, a, up a creek without a paddle <laughs> one last question sure well, when is Cascadia season 2 uh, stop <laughs> people uh, you know what <laughs> I'm super excited about Cascadia season two. There it's was coming. A, there was we've, we've, we've been working this. hard at it literally yes. all year trying to do it right because sequels either suck or they're superb. It's literally do or die. So we really wanted to get it right. I'm yeah. telling you guys, I think we're getting it right. I, I yeah. can say that with confidence and I'm yes. really happy of where this at, where this season is going um it's gonna feel the same but super different and that's really what we wanted to do with a sequel it's like we want the same elements that were successful from the first you know series that people love the characters setting and other stuff that i don't want to give too much away about but in season two it's it's coming and you're gonna love it i'm telling you and you know there was a lot of starts and stops and scraps and restarts and and that and that Mm -hmm. was you know and it's fine and i think you know it's interesting with us because you know we wrote Cascadia during the pandemic and we didn't yep. think it would do as well as it did and have all these ears. And right. there was a little bit of a pressure to 
to come back to it and to make sure that it followed up to having, you know, the success of the yeah. first season. And I, I felt like I, there was a lot of times where I told you, I said, no, let's just let it be, let it simmer. Let's just, yeah. you know, cause we were both kind of, kind of having a little bit of a writer's block and we were like, let's yeah, just, we, we have to trust the process. Yeah. We would try things and then it wasn't going anywhere and then we would scrap mm-hmm. it. And it, you know, it, it yeah. took a lot of the year, but I had faith that it would come to us and it has come yes. to us. And I sometimes it, it took a moment like like taking like doing ice cream to, to walk away and to take a break from Cascadia and do yes. something completely different 100%. just to circle back and and be like okay no this is we've let's let's get it. And now yeah. we've been on this Which path stuff we've been will getting stay. We'll stay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And 100% and, agree. And like I said earlier, you know, I'd rather do it right than rush it out. You know, I'm so Mm -hmm. thankful. I know you're so thankful for all the people who are listening and wanting the more of it. But I'd rather do it right than have it pumped out. Just a little more patience, guys. You will love it. And if you're listening to this after Cascadia Season 2 has come out, please tell me if I was right or if we were right in this this estimation. But it's Um, not about that, though. Like you said, like it's it's about just doing our best work. And then if it does well, it does well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But as long as we're happy with it and our fans are happy with it, then that's 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 all that matters. We just love the fans so much. We want them to be happy, too. Exactly. If some fans are disappointed by season two, we tried our best. (laughs) Know that. (laughs) Yes. But it's coming. It's coming. It'll be there very soon. I promise. Yeah. Well, Antonio, I think. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for doing Thank another, you, it's always a pleasure another talking show. With you. I'll see you really Love soon. Love you, of course. buddy. <laughs> of course. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you made it to the end of this episode and I didn't bore you to death, I appreciate you guys all for being here. This is not possible without you, and I just want to immensely thank each and every one of you, wherever you are in the world. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Whatever language you speak, creed, culture, and all around. Blessings to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to The Making of Ice Cream. You can follow me, Antonio, and Adam on our socials. Links in the show notes. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you want more ice cream, feel free to subscribe to our 911 Plus on Apple Podcasts, where you'll get ad-free, clean versions of the show. You can also get a super cut version of the series, which is perfect for long road trips and flights. We also have in-depth interview with the cast on our new show called Unscripted. Over 40 hours of content is waiting for you right now on 911 Plus on Apple Podcasts. All proceeds go towards making more content and shows for you. Thank you so much for your support and we'll talk to you soon.